0: Getting to a point where my commitment to myself is to be the best version of myself because when I am being the best version of myself, my cup overflows and that's how I can better serve everyone in my life. It's how I can better serve my family members. It's how I can better serve my clients. It's how I can better serve the community.
1: Hey friend, welcome to the Cup of Chels podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea Holden, and as you can tell by the name, Cup of Chels is because I'm obsessed with coffee. But more than that, I am so passionate about giving you a weekly dose of inspiration and uplifting encouragement. You can also be sure to chime in to interviews and conversations with some amazing people. So grab a cup of coffee, get comfy, and let's dive in to today's show. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Cup of Chels podcast. I am so freaking fired up to bring on today's guest, Heather Fisk. She is absolutely fantastic, a sparkly, beautiful energy as she is a fellow generator. And we are going to talk all things about Woo and Do because Heather is the owner of HK Coaching and the founder of the Woo Do Method. She's an astrologer, human design reader, and empowerment coach. And her approach is all about balancing between the Woo. Let's think of the Woo as the mindset work, energy work, meditations, journaling, and the Do, which is all about taking a line to action. So I first encountered Heather from the Next Level Psychic Magazine. She is their in-house Astrologer and absolutely fell in love with her vibe. And among all of this, Heather, like I said, is a generator and she is the host of Retro Shade Podcast. And this is where she gets to share all of her sparkly energy inside of not only the podcast, but her beautiful coaching containers. So I personally have taken her Align by Design Masterclass, which let me tell you, when she broke down her woo method, I am like, this is so freaking practical and empowering and applicable. It's so easy to take this woo, which can seem so out there knowledge, and put it into practical applications. So without further ado, help me give a warm welcome to Heather Fisk. Ooh, I wish we had like that, like, where's the yeah, audience glass. button? Ah.
0: <laughs> Dude, I'll just hit, I'll handle my own hype. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh my um, God. That was the nicest intro ever. Like I was listening to him like, who is this girl?
1: <laughs> That's you, boo. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm so glad to have you on. This is so much fun. It's funny because I was posting on my stories about, you know, us doing this podcast and then Courtney Taylor, who actually came up with the next level psychic magazine, was like, oh my God. You and Heather are connecting and I love this. And I'm like, well, duh, like anybody that's in her world, I feel like naturally connected to. But yeah, going through your masterclass was just so beautiful. It was so great. I absolutely can see your marketing expertise come through among your expertise in all of the things that you do. So why don't you just share with us a little bit of background, how you got into all the things that you're into, and yeah, just a little bit of your story.
0: Oh my God. Thank you so much. That means the absolute world to me to hear that it resonated and it landed with you going through my masterclass. It's creating that class, creating this method has been a lifelong journey for me. And it's something that I'm so incredibly proud of and passionate about. And it's just, I'm in a season right now where I'm just really feeling very validated by what it is that I've been doing and creating. And like mm. in my life, everything that I've been experiencing is coming to this pinnacle. I love That's that. my line six talking, honey. <laughs> 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 it's just, it means the world to me. So thank you so much for sharing that. And Courtney also totally slid into my DMs and was like, oh my God, you're connected <laughs> with Chelsea. I love <laughs> when my favorite people come together.
1: <laughs> so fun.
0: Oh my God. So funny. Okay. So... I am somebody who's lived, like I feel like, several different lifetimes in this lifetime leading up to it, which again, hello, line six. Growing up, I had an idea of what it is that I wanted to do with my life. And everything came down to wanting to serve and wanting to help people. But I could never figure out what that looked like. The closest that I got to was in my teens. I think it was around the age of 16. And I was like, relationship and family therapist. That's what I want. And so my dad was really amazing. And I had an idea about interior design at one point. So he connected me with an interior designer that he used. He has a construction company. And I spent the day shadowing with her. And I was like, this is really cool. And I'm really interested in it, but not for career. That's that's definitely not going to be for me. So when I mentioned therapy, his partner at the time, her sister was a therapist, so he connected us together and I had a full conversation with her and I walked away with that with her words being, don't do it. It's going to be so hard. It's scarring. It's impossible to get into it. You're going to have to go through so many years of school, the likelihood that, you know, you're going to be able to make it out of that get financially stable and actually build a career for yourself. It's so hard and grueling, like, don't do it. It's not, it's not a place for women to thrive. And I was scared, of course, not like I need to rethink my entire life. Like I really thought that was it. So I graduated high school and I was like, I don't really know what I want to do. So I started working and I started landscaping. And that was really fun. I liked being outside and being active, but what I loved most is the people that I worked with. So after I did that for a couple of years, I started working in retail And it was like a home goods store. And I very quickly, I should say in in the landscaping company, I ended up moving to a supervisor role really quickly, right out of high school. And then same thing with this retail job. I moved into a management role and I found again, like didn't love what I was doing, but loved the people that I was working with. I loved when even like customers would come in, helping them to like find the things that they're looking for, create beautiful tablescapes for their homes and find gifts for loved ones and all that stuff. And then after a couple of years there, I started working in a gym and again, quickly moved into a management role. And I was just finding like I'm in my early 20s now and I'm consistently in management positions. I love working with people. So I thought business. So, I finally decided to go back to school, enroll in university to get my business degree. And I decided on a major in marketing because that was the closest that I could get to a psychology degree. Most like the foundations of everything you learn in marketing is rooted in psychology and understanding human behavior. So, I'm like, okay, well, then I can take a four year psychology degree and it can be like a functioning psychology degree. Yeah. So, after I graduated, University, I started working for a real estate tech company, which was by far the most toxic place that I've ever worked in my entire life. <laughs> and...
1: I'm sorry, I just have to like stop you right there. Like, real estate <laughs> being toxic, okay,
0: continue. I know, it's, I'm <laughs> like, uh, unpopular opinion the real estate industry is toxic, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, uh, after building up some real resiliency, and that I was like, again. I love the people that I'm working with. I love helping people. I love breaking through mindset stuff that they're having, these limitations. And it was around this time that I hit like a real low point in my life. Like I would say that I hit absolute rock bottom in my life. And I came to a point where I was literally laying in my bed one night and thinking like, this can't be it. I can't be the only human being that has to suffer and struggle in this world. Like, Why is my life so incredibly difficult? And if this is all that it is, it's not worth it. So I decided in that moment that it either has to be it for me, or I have to do something about it because I'm seeing everyone around me leveling up in their lives. And even though on paper, I am moving forward in my life, my salary is moving up, my station in my career is moving up, which was my identity. I was somebody who like my career was my absolute everything, but I wasn't actually like myself mentally, emotionally, wasn't moving forward. And actually like the money in my bank account wasn't moving forward either. I was just constantly in the stuck struggle point. And so I was like, I I have to kind of zoom out here and figure out why it is that I can't do anything that I actually want to do. And I, I need to at least try to take things into my own hands. So I started binging every YouTube, every book, every podcast, every like inspirational Instagram account, anything that I could get my hands on for free, like masterclasses, webinars, anything. And I got myself to a much better place. And I was like, okay, but I've, I've hit a plateau here of what I can do for myself. So I need to get resources. So I put myself in therapy. I hired a life coach. I finally gave in to my dad. And he, when I was a child, he had participated in the landmark forum and he had been trying to get my brother and I to do it for decades. And I was finally like, okay, dad. I'll do it. So he got me into landmark forum, which was like a transformational four-day experience for me. And I credit that to being the real thing that put me on the path that I am on now. But I realized like I was now making so much progress in my personal development, but I was having like these real like peaks and valleys. Like I would get to high highs and then I would self-sabotage and it would dip down. I'd be like, oh, like getting really frustrated with myself of why is it again, like I'm still doing this thing where I'm getting better. But it's still like, I'm not really moving forward, especially when it came to my finances. So I ended up leaving the real estate company. And I ended up working in what I thought was my dream job as a marketing manager at a big mall. And I was like, this is it. This is a place where I can like settle my roots into and really start to cultivate a career for myself. I don't need to hop from one place to the next. Like this is what I'm looking for which I should say is a pattern of like every time I landed a new job, that would be the same thing. And then you just realize that it's like the same crap, different place. So this now we're in 2019. I'm in this job at this mall. It was like big. It was prestigious. It felt really good. Love the people that I was working with. Love the work that I got to do. There was so much corporate social responsibility work, which is something that I brought into every role that I had. It's really important for me to be able to work with local charitable or not-for-profit organizations. So this had a lot of flexibility for me to do that. And uh, then the pandemic hit and I was like, great. So the way that the company handled that was by basically telling all of us that we're not allowed to do anything across the country in Canada the Our head office in Montreal was handling all communications. We were basically just sitting ducks. And I was like, well, not only is this like absolutely terrifying, and I've got my own demons that I'm living with at this point, but my entire identity as my career, I'm being told that I can't do anything and I just have to sit. While I'm super grateful that I have my salary still and that I'm afforded to still live in this space, this nice apartment that I have and provide food and safety for myself, I've lost who I am at this time. Mm-hmm. And it was, I had a really hard time with that. So I was like, no, I need to do this thing again where I need to take things into my own hands. What can I do here? So I was like, you know what? I think the problem is I had a lot of time to sit and reflect. And I was like, the problem is, is that I keep getting into these roles and these jobs and I'm getting so frustrated in them because I know what needs to get done. And I seem to care so much more about the work than anyone else, including the owners or the senior managers, Hmm. And so I'm feeling like I have this constant battle where I'm hired in a job, obviously for my knowledge and for my skill set and expertise, but then I'm trying to spend this whole time proving why they hired me to begin with. Mm. And I was like, this is so frustrating. I can't do it anymore. So I was like, I'm going to start freelancing. I'm going to start a freelance marketing agency. So I spent two months trying to build my website and put my packages and plans together, which Out of university, I did have a marketing agency as a side hustle. So should have been fairly easy and straightforward to do since (laughs) I had already been doing it but I could not for the life of me. I spent two months. I had gotten as far as purchasing the domain and starting to create a website, but nothing actually came to fruition. So after two months of struggling with literally nothing else to do, but sit and work on this, mind you, I had no other work to do. (laughs) So I was like, I'm going to buy this bundle of courses. And hopefully that'll give me the motivation that I need to get this done. And I went to click on this course that was Five C's for Consistent Income by Reese Evans of the Yes Supply Method. And I have no idea how I got from clicking on that to landing on this masterclass, this 90-minute masterclass that was all about Reese's Neurolinguistic Programming Certification Training. Mm. But I sat and I watched the whole thing. And it was the first time that I'd ever made it through a full masterclass or webinar, because there's usually like some fluff at the beginning, a couple, like one or two little takeaways, and then a lot of it is pitching.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I've never made it through a whole thing, but I watched and I felt like she was talking specifically to me. And so what it was, was a neurolinguistic programming and life and success coaching training course. And I was like, so excited and lit up about it. And I'm like, this feels like she was speaking directly to me the whole time. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. Everything that I have experienced has been leading up to the confidence in doing this. And so I called my best friend and I was like, D, I just went through this masterclass. I think that this is what I'm supposed to do with my life. And she was like, that sounds absolutely perfect for you. That is, I can see that happening for you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to sleep on it tonight. And if I'm still this excited, I'm going to enroll tomorrow. And so I woke up the next day, just as excited, if not more, I enrolled in that program. Two weeks later, there was an announcement in the company that I was working for that there was 60 middle management people being laid off. And then two weeks after that, we had a meeting letting us know that the actual physical building, the mall that I worked at had a potential sale. Hmm. So I was like, interesting how everything is kind of falling into place here. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to make a commitment to myself and I'm going to finish the certification by the end of the summer, August 30th, I'm going to be done. And then I can launch my business September 1st. And then by December 31st, I'm going to go full-time, January 1st, 2021, I guess that would have been, I'll be full-time in my business, but I'm launching on September 1st. In July, I'm told by my director of marketing that I'm no longer part of the team because the company has been sold. So I called HR and I'm like, what is this? Because I haven't been told that by HR yet. Mm-hmm. No one else in my team has been told that the sale has been final. And HR was like, no, 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 it's still potential. Don't know why you would have been told that. So I was like, okay, I'm going to continue on as normal, even though I'm not invited to any meetings anymore. <laughs> and then at the beginning of August, I get told by the gift card group that the gift card program is being closed. So by the end of the month, like I have to take inventory of the gift cards and send them back because we're no longer part of the company's gift card program because the sale has been finalized. And I thought, okay, well, still haven't been told anything from HR about that. So I called my HR up again and I say, listen, this is what happened. And he's like, no, no, no. Like, don't know why that would have been happening. It, nothing's been finalized. It's still just potential. It's all just rumors. So I was like, okay, well, this is like getting really confusing. So two weeks after that call... My HR rep calls and said, can you get everyone together? We have to have a meeting. And in that meeting, they announced that the sale is finalized. And in two weeks, on August 30th, will be the last day that we're employed with our company because the sale's been finalized. It's a private sale. So employment wasn't negotiated as part of the terms of the deal. So it's completely up to the new owners, whether they want to offer you new jobs or not. So as of August 30th, you guys are technically officially unemployed. And I said, great. Great. So I'd made a commitment to myself that I was going to be done August 30th and I'm on track for that. And I was going to start my business on September 1st. The universe could not be louder at this point in
1: time. Seriously.
0: (laughs) I was like, listen, I'm going to, for the very first time in my life, listen to the signs and synchronicities that are coming to me. And so I was the first person in our company that was offered a job. I was offered a job twice by the new owners and I turned it down twice. And I said, nope, September 1st, I'm doing my own thing. Best of luck to all of you. You seem wonderful, but I need to listen. So, September 1st, I launched my business. Within that first week, I signed my first full coaching client without anything really being launched. It was word of mouth, and she just came to me and it was perfect. So, I was like, great. So, I'm literally being set up for success here. And shortly after that, I discovered human design, which is where I found out that I'm a generator. And when I found out that I was a generator, I realized that the only time that I've actually Unintentionally lived my design was in that decision that I made and that getting my coaching certification and sticking mm-hmm. to my guns and saying yes to me and my business and no to the decision that on paper looks like the logical, stable choice. Yeah. My entire life, I've looked at things like had option A and option B. And I would know that option A is the one that my gut is saying to go to and the one that I want to do. But option B is the one that's more logical, stable, and more acceptable by society standards. So I would always Mm -hmm. go with option B and it would always bite me in the ass. And it's why I spent my entire life frustrated, burnt out, the reason why I was pouring all of my energy, even though I was exhausted and resenting every little bit of it because I have life force energy that can't turn off. And I was feeling so burned out about it for that reason. And then I get frustrated that no one else cared because it wasn't meant for me.
1: Uh, Oh, wow.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So it's just, it has built and grown from there. And human design has become such an important part of the work that I do because of how important it's been for myself. And that's how the voodoo method came to be. And why I'm so proud of it is because it's not like, a step-by-step blueprint, but it is a method that works for absolutely everyone. It is 100% adaptable to anything that you want to create in your life.
1: Yes. Yeah. And having gone through your masterclass too, you can see that too. It's not like you have to follow these steps. No, it's like, Mm -hmm. here's this method because what I loved about it too. And what's coming up for me is the reality check. Where it's like, okay, let's check in with where we're at right now, meeting ourselves where we're at right now, and then pivoting and adjusting accordingly. And you, with that line six, right? Having lived the first part of your life as a line three and all the experimenting and stuff, like (laughs) it's that's how you can so effortlessly tell people this is a method you can tap into, right? Because you've done the experimentation. This is helping people do their own experimentation as well. So very, very cool.
0: Absolutely. The reality check is the part that we skip over the most because it's the most uncomfortable part. We don't want to have to face because we have so much emotions that we put on everything. So we try to skip over instead of meeting ourselves where we're at and just looking at it as information and data. And when we just collect that information and data of where we're at right now, that's when we can pinpoint where the actual patterns are happening in the self-destruction or self-sabotaging, Those limiting beliefs, as uncomfortable as they may be, it is reality. And until we actually face it, then we can't really do anything about it. And it's, that's what I love about human design is it helps us to shine a light on what those things are. And then we can release it. Like I could spend, um, I did spend a large part of my life, like beating myself up about why am I the one that struggles? Why am I the one that always has to feel this way? But learning my human design, I was able to look back on it and be like, okay, well, no, it wasn't about me. There wasn't any, anything fundamentally wrong about me or broken about me. I was living out of alignment and so far out of alignment. And all I needed to do was get this information and then I could course correct. And it happened very quickly after that. Yeah. It's just removing that emotion that we put on it.
1: Yeah. And I was having a conversation this morning about how we can attach to our emotions so much. And it's really about being this loving observer of what's going on and experiencing the feeling as opposed to being in it, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, I know that I'm feeling this way. I'm see myself getting frustrated. I see myself feeling really bitter and having resentment towards others. You know, like, why is this using it? Like you said, as the information and data so that we can course correct truly. And to segue, I feel like for me, that was a huge part of coming into sobriety. And really giving up alcohol, right? Because it was like, okay, I'm frustrated. I'm waking up on Mondays, not feeling good until Wednesday. And then I'm feeling so good on Thursday. It's like, let's have another drink. And then that shit pattern just keeps repeating itself. So it's like, where can I course correct myself? Mm -hmm. This is my freaking reality check. Right? So for me, that looked like finally committing to myself that, no, I'm done. I'm done drinking. I don't know for how long for right now it's 30 days. And then we're going to go from there. And, you know, then I just tacked on habits from that, that I did some for 30 days, you know, some for 60, but overall alcohol has remained non-existent in my life anymore. And with that too, you know, I would call myself alcohol free. I'd never felt, Mm. I didn't feel like I could own the word sober because I still partook in THC, you know, CBD. Some people don't, you know, do that, but also mushrooms and microdosing with mushrooms. And so, you know, other psychedelics as well. And so I'm like, I can't freaking call myself sober because sober means that you don't do anything. But then I realized like, well, who the fuck says, who says that, who made up that rule? And if for me, Sober doesn't have to be so black and white. And Mm -hmm. I feel like because we make it so black and white, we put the stigma on it. And then people are ashamed, they hold on to shame or guilt from wanting to call themselves sober or from wanting to even get sober in the first place. So when I found out that you worked with Next Level Psychic and were associated with Courtney and everything too, and then saw your Human Design, and then you know, of course, it just like trickled, and I'm like, yes, I have to meet this girl. <laughs> what was one of the things that came up was you were doing this series of microdosing with Coach, right? So mm-hmm. I am um, was just so fascinated, and it made me fall in love with you even more. And then we were in the DMs, and then I found out that you too are alcohol free. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. 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 So I would just love to hear your perspective on the shades of sobriety and being alcohol-free and also microdosing and what that has done for you because I feel mm-hmm. like this is it's starting to I don't want to say mainstream but we're starting to like really raise our consciousness of how psychedelics how plant medicine can really help us evolve and grow, can help us realize what's alive in us. Hello shadows. And like, look at that shit so that we can work through it to continue to grow and evolve. So anyway, that's my perspective on it, but I would just, I'd love to hear how you even got into it. What, you know, kind of made you give up alcohol and yeah, just share that part of your journey.
0: Oh, the alcohol thing I <laughs> alcohol is such a funny thing in our culture, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's we have it on like such a pedestal, yeah, and to make the decision that like you just don't want to drink especially if you're like out with a group of friends, the automatic response is like, why are you sick? Are you pregnant? There has to be some sort there of reason. There has to be some reason. Yeah. Why you're you not drinking. It can't be that you don't feel like drinking. It has to be that you like have a medical reason as to why, <laughs> why you can't. <laughs> like that's always kind of blown my mind. But like I, I grew up in household where alcoholism was very prevalent. I think looking back and reflecting a little bit on like my parents divorced when I was really young, and in my mom's household, her partner was a absolute alcoholic and was never physically abusive towards us, but just created a really toxic household and was like violent towards the things around us, we'll mm-hmm. say, sure. <laughs> and just like nasty with his his words and and angry. And also like just was always very absent because of it. He was constantly cheating on my mom. He was constantly like going away and disappearing on us or coming and going as he pleased. And yeah, it was just like a very, very toxic environment to grow up around and the behaviors and some of my memories as children, like it's just like reflecting on it now, like it's... (laughs) what were you thinking? As long yeah. I look back on it on. But it's just, it's such a selfish thing. And we get very selfish when we are drinking. But I, I was a teen that didn't really drink. I had really no interest in it until I got to about 19 and I could start going out. And then I started to realize that I was trying to really self-medicate with it. And looking back and reflecting on it now, I can see how unhealthy my relationship with alcohol was and I think I got to a point where I had woken up one too many times with the absolute shame spirals mm-hmm. like I used to refer to Sundays so like when I was like in my real party girl phase and we would go out Friday night and we would go out Saturday night and we had like our usual rounds that we would make and whatever and we used to hang out together afterwards at like whatever house that we've all slept together at And we would literally call it shame Sunday, where you would just like not look at your phones or watch anything feel good possible, binge eat a bunch of McDonald's and try to forget about what happened and pretend that it was. And I even had like, I used to joke about the fact like drunk Heather used to look out for hungover Heather because I had a ritual when I would come home. I would delete text messages because I was a drunk texter. I thought Mm. the most fun thing in the world was drunk text people. I don't know why, but thank goodness social media wasn't like a huge prevalent thing.
1: I sing my praises for that because.
0: Oh, shit. I don't know how young people do it. No. I don't either. Oh my gosh. It's like the most, the most that I had, cause I wasn't, I wasn't posting everything on Facebook. That was something that you would do like the next day, go through your photos and post the album on Facebook. The only thing that you would really do like live in real time is post on Snapchat. And thank goodness that I just wouldn't look at or touch my phone on Sunday so that all my Snapchats were gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so didn't have to relive them, but I would delete all my text messages. Like I would send the drunk text and I would delete it immediately so that I couldn't see it the next morning. The wow. most I could see is somebody responding back to me and being like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I would like throw my phone in another room when I would get home. I would have a shower to wash the night off of me so that I wouldn't feel as gross the next morning. But yeah, it just got to a point where in my, it was during the pandemic that I decided or like tough talk with myself that this is a problem that I have. I don't like who I am when I'm drinking. I don't like the feeling it's taking days to recover mm-hmm. And I don't have fun when I'm doing it. And when I actually think about what alcohol actually is, it's a depressant and a toxin. And Mm -hmm. I'm on this pursuit now of, you know, studying our mind our subconscious and our conscious mind. And so I'm getting really into neuroscience and learning about our brain function and understanding that as we're drinking the damage that we're doing to our brains and our minds. Mm. And I'm just running, like I'm trying to build this company. I'm trying to get this certificate done. And if I'm drinking, I can't stay to the strict schedule that I have for myself. So That was where it first started for me was just that summer. I needed to not drink because I couldn't afford a day or two days or three days of being hungover, And I was realizing at that time that like I was compulsively drinking. So it was usually around a time where I was mad or I was frustrated. So Mm -hmm. I would have a drink or even like when it's fun, like I didn't really know where my limits were. Or even if I did know where my limits were, I would push past them anyways, because I also like felt like I could handle more alcohol than I could. But I always told myself that like, I didn't have a problem because no one told me that I had a problem and people liked to go out with me. I'm fun. I'm a good time. The only problem is like the shame that I feel myself the next day, but no one knows that because I bottle everything up and I keep Mm -hmm. everything internalized to myself. So There was one really bad night in June of 2020. And that was when I was like, I really can't afford because this is throwing off the schedule of my certification by like a few days and I can't afford it. So I had to make a promise to myself that that was not going to be it. And then I realized that like, I know that I'm a fun person, I know that I'm a good time. And I personally think I'm more fun if I'm sober, Mm -hmm. because I don't have to get into that spiral for myself. And I can just have more fun and be more lively. So that's been the decision to really like kind of pull back. And just over time, I've realized that even with like one or two glasses of wine, I don't feel great the next day. So what's the point? So It became like this, um, like similar to what you were saying. This internal struggle at first of accepting that my, even though I wouldn't say that I'm like I was an alcoholic to that extent, because I think part of that just for me means that is putting me in the same category as my stepdad. Sure. So I think that was like a struggle for me, but also because like no one was like sitting down and having an intervention with me, and so to say like I'm making the t- decision that I have an unhealthy relationship with alcohol and I need to be sober or I need to just like change what that relationship is and not depend on alcohol or not feel pressured to have alcohol just because I'm in a social situation. If someone's uncomfortable with me not drinking, that's on them to sort out. That's not me to drink to ease their discomfort. That's for them to look at their relationship with alcohol and why they're uncomfortable with me not drinking. And that's a lot that a lot of that has come from the coursework that I've done and the work that I do now rooted in that that's really the alcohol thing has come from. And even like my dad and my sister-in-law, and my brother, like my whole family has kind of gone through separately, but together, like having this discussion that none of us really enjoy drinking. It's not really a good time. And even like my, uh, my uncle, he has gotten to the same point as, as well, where he's like, it's just not worth it. I don't see the purpose anymore. I feel better not drinking. I don't see what it adds to my life at this point. That said, like, Sometimes having a glass of wine is nice, Yeah, but I'm recognizing that like, if I do, it has to be very little and I have to have a lot of water afterwards (laughs) because even that little bit will throw me off. And it's just getting to a point where my commitment to myself is to be the best version of myself. Because when I am being the best version of myself, My cup overflows and that's how I can better serve everyone in my life. It's how I can better serve my family members. It's how I can better serve my clients. It's how I can better serve the community. And being that way helps me to bring my purpose in this world forward. So if that's what my commitment is, then that's partly having to commit to optimizing my body and its functions and adding a toxin and a depressant to it. It's just, counterproductive. It's not aligned and it just doesn't feel right. And I think that's for me, where it's come through is making that commitment to myself and understanding that it's just about following what feels right for me and honoring that and letting go of any external judgments. Yeah. Yeah, totally.
1: No, that it all makes so much sense. And I resonate with your story so deeply because that was the same for me too, you know, feeling like Well, how am I going to be fun? How am I going to be fun? How am I going to have fun if I'm not drinking? And also, what are people even going to think? Mm -hmm. Because this is what I've done with them, right? And part of the thing for me too, was I found myself having the same fucking conversations over and over again. And here I was diving deeper into my own self-development and, you know, really wanting to expand that. So yeah, it was a huge eye-opener For like, if I want to grow, if I really want to like be the best version of myself too, my relationship with alcohol is so toxic. It's so toxic. It's not serving me. I'm done. We're through this now. And whatever's going to happen because of this decision is meant to happen you know? And I think like that can be such a scary part for people is to feel like they're going to miss out on so much. Right. And that, that also comes from that lack mindset, right? It's like, well, Mm -hmm. yeah, things are going to change and shift, but if we're not changing, we're not growing. So aside from that, what all do we get to gain? I don't know how many times I wrote out like pros and cons lists of not (laughs) drinking, you know, and, and the pros always outweighed the cons, but I would still get sucked back into doing it for the sake of not wanting to have the conversation, not wanting to be questioned and also just like, well, this is fucking comfortable and this is, this is what we do. So oh, the number of
0: times that I ended up just saying, fine, give me a drink just to shut people up. Yeah. Yeah, was crazy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's Yeah, there's part of it of just being like, when we say that we when we make the decision that like, I just don't want to drink anymore. And even making that decision, because I'm recognizing that I don't have a healthy relationship with alcohol. It's like, okay, well, do I then have to say like, hi, my name is Heather. I'm an alcoholic and have yeah. to go find like AA meetings. I'm like, I don't really, cause I don't feel a compulsive need. I'm not hiding it. I don't feel like I have it. Yeah. Like I can just not drink and that feels fine, but it is very difficult yeah. Cause it's, a, it's almost like you make that decision. You're like, well, what does that mean about me and who I am now? Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. really all it is, is just you saying that I don't want to drink. It's like, if you decide that you like, don't want to have a piece of cake, no one's like, well, why not? You're no fun. <laughs> Are you like a cakeaholic? Like, yeah. <laughs> Like yeah. you don't have all these things, but it's just, it's because alcohol has become such a big part of our society and we've made it mean so much. Yeah. And we just need to lay off.
1: (laughs) I agree. I agree. And tap into things that can explore curiosities in other ways. Mm -hmm. I should say it that way. Yeah.
0: Something else really cool that I have found in this as well. And especially as like, I stand in my power when I say I don't want to drink, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to go out with my girlfriends to like go out for dinner and stuff and whatever. But I'm finding more and more that the more that I stand in it, the more that my friends are like getting curious about it as well. And I think that's one of the things about the shades of sobriety that I get really excited about is it's not black or white. It's not having to say like, I'm alcohol free, I'm sober and just be like, I just don't want to have. That, yeah, yeah, <laughs> just don't want to have a cocktail. I don't want to have a glass of wine. It's like, yeah. I don't want, I don't drink pop because pop is also like so toxic and does so many gnarly things to our bodies. Yet, nobody is questioning about that. Everyone's like, Yeah, no, pop is disgusting. <laughs> 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 Why are we being lighter on that than on alcohol?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I can get into like all kinds of conspiracy, what I feel like, you know, just the control that keeping people addicted to things, you know, can have, but we won't go there on this conversation.
0: Uh, Speaking about that, let's get into psychedelics. Yeah.
1: Let's get into psychedelics. No, seriously. I am so curious though. I personally have microdosed before. I've never had a full blown see things trip on mushrooms. Mm -hmm. I have on other things, but the microdosing for me has really it's like this state of bliss where mm-hmm. there's so much clarity and the stream of consciousness is that it's just clean it's it's you know like this clean perspective on life on anything really that's coming up for you but for me that's what it's been and and i've gone in and out of the microdosing and Recently, feeling the call to like get back into it too, so I'm really glad that we're having this conversation right now for it. So, yeah, I would just love to hear your perspective with it.
0: Yeah. So, uh, like, funny about me, I <laughs> like never did a drug. Was not into it. I had my nose turned so far up. My brother was like a typical teen. He like a drank. He smoked weed and stuff. And I thought that he was such a trash human for it. <laughs> um, <laughs> made my opinion so known and like anyone like even through my teens like even smoking pot I was like you're just like no that's not it that's gross you're a stoner you're a loser <laughs> just such a snob about it and um I was listening to the almost 30 podcast mm mm-hmm. And Krista from Almost Thirty was did a whole episode about her microdosing journey, and following her on Instagram, like she had been talking about a little bit, and I was like, okay, like listening. And so, yeah, she was she was talking all about it, and I was like, well, this sounds like something that I I want to do. Like, I'm not really interested in alcohol, and uh, we also, like, funny enough, um, my grandparents years ago. My grandmother had like this chronic back pain. And so we were trying to find ways for her to manage it. And she like refused to is prescribed like Oxycontin. And she was obviously like, and she was a retired registered nurse. She's like, absolutely not. I This doesn't work for me. And I don't want it. We have to find something different that doesn't have like the horrific side effects. So we ended up like going down the marijuana route and she didn't want to smoke it. So we tried a bunch of edibles for her and my dad actually made her brownies and he it. like he froze some for me because I was like, I want to try them. Like if Ganny's doing it, then I can do it. Like that was like the marker <laughs> for me that like if my grandmother was doing it, and she was going to do it, like it has to be okay. So I can start relaxing on my like anti-marijuana, anti-drug space. <laughs> so put them in the freezer and I never got to eat them they sat in my freezer for years I was like after my exams in university I was like I'm gonna celebrate by having a brownie my dad was like cheering me on he's like you go girl <laughs> but I never did it and I I do regret that I wish I ate my homemade pop brownies from my father for um,
1: your grandmother like my I grandmother. love this <laughs> it's, it's a whole, whole family <laughs> thing <laughs> <laughs>
0: my journey um into exploring like psychedelics like, and, <laughs> and stuff is incredibly wholesome to the point where um we actually like nothing even like the edibles weren't really working they had a terrible experience with it because they ate like a full-size piece of brownie like you would like very gluttonous mm-hmm. and so they had like a lot of Hot going through them and yeah just like mellowed out and didn't like it. it didn't turn out well so we had to figure out a different thing so we tried like tinctures and caramels and stuff and things worked for various times for her but we ended up my brother and I went to go and visit them and this was like my last year of university and we drove up and we had gotten her like a weed pen
1: mm-hmm
0: so she could, she could vape. And then that way it's like very slow and controlled and easy on the lungs. And so we went up there and it was my brother, my cousin and I, and my Ganny and my papa. And we were in the kitchen and she was like, well, we need to learn how to use it. We don't want to be the ones to try it. And my brother was working up North in the oil fields in Canada. And so he gets like random drug tests. So he couldn't do it which as our resident druggie, like you would think that he would be the one. (laughs) Um, I want to like disclaimer that, like that was a joke. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. That was very much sister ribbing on the child. Brother, if you're
1: listening, we love you. We don't think you're a (laughs) druggie.
0: We don't think you're a (laughs) druggie. And then my other cousin was just like, no, like I'm not doing that. I'm not, I'm not into that. And I was like, okay, well that leaves it up to me. And uh, like, I'll do anything for my grandparents. I'll take one for the team. So my brother like helped me set it all up. And then he explained to me, like walked me through how to use it. And I have a very vivid memory of this whole thing happening. Like I was so <laughs> uncomfortable with it because I was so at a character. So I was in a hoodie and I pulled my hood up <laughs> and took my little head off the pen and my papa was standing next to me. My ganny is right across the island in the kitchen from me with her digital camera taking pictures. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> was sitting beside me like watching so intently and like can you feel it are you feeling anything like do you think that you'd still be able to drive like if I did it with Ganny like would I be able to drive her to the hospital and I looked like no crazy you're not driving under the influence with precious cargo like this is for her not you <laughs> But then I started to like very slowly start to feel it happening for me. And then I became very aware of the fact that I was feeling differently, but they didn't know that I was feeling very differently. But I knew that I was feeling very differently, mm. but knew that they didn't know. And I had like this paranoia of like, mm-hmm. It just was like a realization that was coming through and then I burst out laughing and I could not stop because the cycle of myself talking very clearly to myself (laughs) about this awareness was killing me and the fact that they didn't know, but I did, I couldn't handle it. I was like, I've never laughed so hard. I had to leave the room and go into the living room to try and get my composure (laughs) And I once I did, I turned around and they were all standing staring at me and it sent me off into hysterics all over again. I was just like in a ball laughing for the rest of the evening. <laughs> so that, that's like the one and only time I've ever smoked marijuana. <laughs> so it really started to like slow me down a little bit. So bringing back to the microdosing, it was hearing... Krista and having the memory of like that time with my grandparents and just how I felt—it was fun, it was light, and I didn't feel bad the next day. Mm-hmm. What a concept! So I was like, okay, well, like let's expand our mind a little bit and let go of this like old preconceived notion. So she had said that she went through this microdosing course through um, axis Mundi. And so I looked up the course and I was like, great. I'm somebody who really likes to know information before I do anything. I like to feel really comfortable with it. So I wanted to understand the process and the purpose and the benefits and how to do it so that I could feel really confident in it. So I enrolled in this like little course and then I ordered, like I reached out to them. They recommended where to source the little, I decided to do capsules because it's a very sure. controlled dosage then. Mm-hmm. So I was like, great, I'm going to start this journey and I'm going to start cycling, um, and microdosing mushrooms. And the very first day that I did it, it was in the spring. And so this, I had I in a meeting with my dad and my brother, and at the end of our meetings, we talked about goals. And I said, I'm going to start microdosing. And my brother was like, excuse me, you're going to start doing what? <laughs> and I said, I'm going to start microdosing. That's it's spring 2022. I'm hitting a new point in my journey. And I just, I'm feeling like I'm, I'm stuck in my growth again, and I'm feeling disconnected from my intuition. And I just feel like I need something to get back in touch with myself and deepen my connection. There's mm-hmm. something that is blocking me right now and I can't get to it. And so I think this is like, I think I got, you know, Chris's story and was guided here for this reason. So I'm going to try it. And he was like, there's like all these years you were ragging on me for like my (sighs) teens. And now like, here you are like guns ablaze. And I'm going to start microdosing mushrooms. Yeah, brother, you you
1: were, you were ahead of your time, bro. Like a trailblazer. Come on.
0: I was was like, I was like, that was then this is now like, because I've decided it's cool. It's cool. Okay. Get on board. (laughs) (laughs) My dad got all excited too. And he's like, I can't wait to hear how this goes. And, um, the support from my dad that I've gotten over the years and this stuff is, I love that. So funny. So, yeah, I started doing it my very first day. I was like, it was a Sunday, and I was like, this is going to be great. I'm going to have like a real mellow Sunday. I'm not going to have anything on my calendar because I don't know like how it's going to affect me. I don't know if I'm going to like roll on this or anything because I'm so out of my league here. And I, it was a really sunny, beautiful spring Sunday. And I like took my pill, I did this like meditation with it, and I could like start to feel it kind of it was just like a warm feeling that washed over mm-hmm. me. And I'm just feeling like how you said it, like blissful. So I was like, I am completely like uninhibited right now. I'm just feeling like really happy. So I went and I drove myself out to this local park so I could go on a little nature walk and it was without a doubt the most magical moment of my life. I was just like smiling like a freaking idiot walking yeah. through this forest. I got to a point where I just like I stopped. I'm also a hyper paranoid person, so constantly thinking that somebody's out to get me and like largely be- largely because I've spent my entire life studying serial killers. <laughs> <laughs> so like i have like this paranoia as like a single little woman walking around here i'm like someone's gonna get me but i was like so happy and feeling so safe and secure i like there was like this lookout point so i went and sat and i just sat there and i closed my eyes and i just the sounds of the wind through the trees the waves rolling the birds i'm like god this is this is such a magical place that we live in how did i not realize Mm -hmm. or appreciate like i don't take enough time for it everything just seemed like a little brighter, a little sparklier, a little Mm -hmm. nicer. I skipped down the trail at one point. It was just so fun to feel free and like, let my inner child out. So after about, so I was doing my cycle was eight weeks of taking, I would dose and then two days off and then dose again. So I did that cycle for eight weeks. Um, and so The first two weeks were similar to days like that, like just feeling really, really nice. And then week three, shadows came up and I was completely taken aback by what was coming up for me, which was when I was, I think, 24, 23. Somewhere between 22 and 24. I was out with a friend of mine at a club and she was like blackout sloppy drunk. And so I was like trying to hold her up, but she kept falling into people. And anyways, I ended up getting jumped at this club that oh, night. Sure. And so like, I ended up like having to go to the hospital the next day. Cause my eye was like swollen shut and I had a horrible concussion and I still have like scar tissue buildup under my eye, So I have like a little eye dimple. But like that was so long ago and it's just a part of my story that's like kind of something that I laugh about now. So I wasn't expecting that I had any sort of anything residual that I needed to deal with aside from the fact that I just actually never dealt with it. I just moved forward from it. Mm And so having to deal with that trauma being jumped. And so, like I said before, like my, I really realized that that was the jumping off point of when I turn into somebody who's so paranoid from being outside and like that anticipation that someone is out to get me or yeah. that something bad will happen when I'm alone out in the world. I, Cause I've been watching all these documentaries and stuff for my entire, like, I remember being way too young, watching Dateline with my mom and uh, being exposed to this stuff and being so fearless in my early 20s of going out and about and really fearless. And I very much so remember a point in time where I felt like I was so prepared that anyone could come at me and I could handle myself. And it was that moment when I learned that that wasn't the truth. And so there was something that like lived inside of me. I just suppressed it because it was such a horrible moment, such a horrible experience. And I was really kind of made to feel like a monster because my face was so deformed and Mm -hmm. scary looking. So that was something that came up for me. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I still have this trauma that I really need to deal with. And that that's something that needs. That's really, I think that's part of what I'm being blocked on is getting through this moment in time that impacted me more than I allowed it to impact me or recognize that it was impacting me. But one of the things that I really liked about the experience and working through it was it, it really did make it a little bit more of an easeful journey for me to explore it and understand what happened and how i was feeling and being really gentle with myself it wasn't mm-hmm. like having to relive the experience and the trauma i was just able to for it to come up and be like okay well this is something that i was like holding and harboring inside of myself and i don't need to give it any more power anymore and i mm. can move on from it and it was something that i survived and it made me stronger and um, more resilient as a human being and definitely more aware, but I don't have to let it grow into like this big, hairy, scary monster that really kind of has me almost living on like the side of agoraphobia where I do tend to feel like more comfortable at my house, which was something that I had to deal with at the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. But it's it's a really interesting process as you're going through it and because it does help to for your brain to help connect these new neural pathways. So part of that does come with having to let go of the pathways that were there and the things that have been blocking you. But it does create a really gentle experience for you to explore these things and to really start to implant new things that you want to have and those beliefs that you want to create for yourself in this new identity and experience. So yeah, it was, it was, uh, the first round for me was a really wild experience to start with a really high, high, and then a real shocking (laughs) shadow to deal with, but overall, like the effects that I've been experiencing in my life have just been more ease, more balance, more fun, more light, more resiliency, less resistance to getting into the muck and the mess inside of me because I'm a human. And so that exists just. It's just a byproduct of being what we are. Yeah. And living life. And I just can't hype it up enough. So much to the point where like I've become the pusher in our family. Like I just went ahead and ordered packages for my brother, my sister-in-law, my, my dad, and my stepmom. Nice. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, this is such like transformative. I'm like, you guys are have all expressed, like. At least a very vague sense of interest in this, so I'll buy the package for you. And then if you don't want it or you don't like it, like I'll take them back and I'll use them. But it's become a joke where my brother was like, "You're now like our family's like drug dealer." <laughs> I was like, "You want a dose? I don't. <laughs> Let me know how much you want." Right. <laughs>
1: Oh my gosh. I love that story. And thank you so much for just being vulnerable and for sharing all of your journey with us. You know, and I think that you openly sharing about the shadow side of it coming up, you know, sets the expectation that it's not always going to be blissful. The last time that we dosed, my husband and I both, we hadn't in a couple of weeks. And the way we were doing it was, it's a not a capsule so much as a pressed vitamin, but half of it, you know, four days on three days off four days on three days off. And then we worked up to a full vitamin and then we were off for like two, three weeks. And so when we came back on, I was like, Oh, we'll just take a full vitamin again. Yeah. And it brought up what was alive in us. And at that day, it was a lot of anxiety, a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, for me, I was able to navigate it. I don't know how well my husband did that day. I mean, he worked through it, but I think it was more of just like trying to avoid and push down. So I appreciate you sharing about the, the bringing up the shadows because it will do that. And part of the work as you know, is being okay to look at the darkness and not that it's bad, but only because it's ready to be gone. It's ready to transcend and for that energy to just like move out of us, you know? So if y'all are interested in listening and, you know, have been curious about that, like know that this is an aspect of it that may happen for you, but also it is just part of you. Like you said, it's part of being human. It's the same as like having a difficult conversation with your partner or with, you know, a loved one these are things that we have to go through. And in order to grow, we got to look at our shit sometimes, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's only so we can clean it up and come out better on the other side
0: of it. So, Oh, absolutely. And it's something that I really recognized was that it's really reinforcing that everything that comes up, your experiences, whether they're present and happening in current time or their past that are coming back, it's all happening for you, not to you. Yeah. So it's just, it's shining a light. And it's like, I love what you said about it. It's coming up because it's ready to leave. Mm-hmm. And I really started working cl- more closely and in depth with the practice of forgiveness and through Ho'oponopono, which is the ancient yeah. Hawaiian practice for forgiveness. And That has really been helpful for me to navigate, especially that instance, I really leaned into that practice. And for anyone who's listening, who isn't familiar with Ho'oponopono, the the act of forgiveness and the way that it's looked at through this practice is not about condoning any acts or anything that's happened, it's about releasing for you and your attachment to it. Because when we hold on to grudges or anger, it's a toxin that we hold within us. It's a negative energy that brings us down and anchors us into that thing that we didn't enjoy. And so when you are able to release yourself from it, you are literally able to set yourself free and move forward. And it kind of helps to like launch you forward. And it's as simple as just saying the phrase, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. And recognize that everything that you've been through has taught you some lesson and has helped you to grow and to become who you are. So holding resentment or feeling bad or any other emotion that you're placing on that or feeling you're placing on that thing that makes you feel scared of it or upset by it or wanting to resist it you're anchoring into that. So it will forever be something that holds you down in your life, whether you're consciously or unconsciously aware Mm -hmm. of it. And that's really what that moment was for me because I had so much shame from it where it wasn't for me to be ashamed of. In that moment, like this was something that happened to me. I was present and present for it and happened to me. And I didn't ask for it, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. it happened. And I just needed to forgive myself for holding on to so much shame for it and holding on to it, not processing it. And I needed to forgive the other person because, you know, why hold on to it? Why anchor it? It was an act in the moment and me holding on to it. It doesn't condone it. It doesn't say, yes, that person was right for that assault or that action. A thousand percent, not, but I can still forgive them without condoning it. It's just about setting myself free and reminding myself that I love myself and I love the lessons that I've gotten. I'm thankful for the lessons that I got out of that situation because it was pivotal to getting me here and now. yeah, one hundred percent.
1: Oh my gosh. I feel like we could talk all day <laughs> but for the for the sake of the podcast. We will need to wrap up at some point.
0: (laughs) Oh, wrapping up is so hard. I know. I
1: agree. I agree. I do just want to say how I've never heard it phrased that way of resisting the feeling is anchoring in. So thank you for sharing that because that is so powerful for me to hear and something I know that will stay with me from this conversation. So Heather, it has been Amazing. So glad that you came on. I'm so glad to get to share you with my audience. And for those that want to connect with you, that want to learn more from you, work with you, how can they find you? Tell them Um, all the beautiful ways.
0: Yes. Oh, my new friends. Um, This has been such an honor. I'm so happy to be here. Um, You can find me on Instagram at the Heather Fisk. Slide into my DMs. It's very friendly over there. Um, and you can also check out my website, Heather K A T H E R I N E dot co. And there you can book human design, astrology readings, or you can work with me in one of my programs. I recently just launched a new collection called by design. I have Mm -hmm. a new one-to-one business program called business by design and a new hybrid group experience one-on-one called thrive by design that I'm extraordinarily excited about. So I would love to have anyone in those containers that would just wants to learn how to fuse human design, NLP aligned action and transform your life and then listen to RetroShade podcast.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited. Well, again, thank you, everybody. All the links for connecting with Heather will be in the show notes. So be sure to go check her out. If you listen to this podcast and it resonated with you, please share on Instagram, tag the both of us so we can see, let us know any takeaways or ahas that you had, you know, and if you're curious about sobriety, if you're curious about microdosing, if you're curious about your own human design and how you can live in more alignment, then, you know, just reach out to us. We're here for you. And without further ado, we will say goodbye now. As sad as it is, but you and I will stay connected. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Awesome. That was so much fun. I don't know about you, but I had such a blast. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Cup of Chelsea and I am so freaking thankful that you're here and that you've decided to spend this time with me and listen in. I know you've got a lot of choices out there, so thank you from the bottom of my heart. If this episode resonated with you, or if you know it would be a great listen for somebody else, please don't keep me a secret.